Hey, everybody, and welcome to the What is this, honey? podcast, where we will be discussing everything from pop culture to reality TV to true crime documentary to my life and everything in between that makes you scratch your head and ask yourself, what is this, honey? Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are here with The Secrets of Hillsong on Hulu, episode three, called Sins of the Father. This episode starts with a Bible verse that reads, Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravening wolves. Matthew seven fifteen. Now, y'all, we get to episode three. And the shit really starts to hit the fan and spin across the room. Okay? I, I realized that the first two episodes were giving us all the tea, all the information that we needed to make our own opinions and to really get us in the frame of mind to see what's next. So go ahead and get ready. Buckle up. Get a glass of wine. Get a stully bully dulling. Because we're meeting, we, we, we out here meeting people. We meet David Shoebridge. He's an Australian senator. He's an advocate for children who experience sexual abuse at the hands of institutions, particularly religious institutions. He spent 12 years in parliament. For y'all who don't know, government, parliament, government, same thing. He's got a few things that he wants to say, being an Australian citizen. He says that you can't live in Australia without hearing about Hillsong Church. And I have Australian buddies who are not religious people at all and who listen to this podcast and don't know what the hell is going on. And they know what's going on with the Hillsong, okay? So, Mr. Shoebridge, he holds a town hall. And there are dozens and dozens of people who come forward with tales of abuse, like horror stories. And so he decides, you know what? I'm going to push for a royal commission, which is an investigation, a trial, if you will. And it's, you know what? It's like court in Australia, but it's more intense because it's Australia. And they have that whole like British monarchy vibe going on. So like all of the solicitors, the barristers, the lawyers, they wear, like, the white powdered wigs. It's so intense. And I love it in this situation because I'm like, well, you want to be biblical? You want to be hello, well, biblical? You want to be prehistoric? Let's see you at the Royal Commission. And what this, the point for Mr. Shoebridge, he's not really trying to say, I want to charge Hillsong with X. I want to burn down the church to the ground. What he's saying is a Royal Commission can force the truth out of these institutions that they are not necessarily legally. What's the word I'm looking for? They're not legally obliged to do otherwise. So this Royal Commission is really set up to say, if you are a victim, because we have seen and heard that the Hillsong Church, amongst others, they're going to cover it up. They're going to bury it. If they if some if they find out some shit went down, 
if they found out what's going on between the sheets of your home, they're going to hide it for you. Okay? So this Royal Commission is there in place so that if you have experienced abuse, if you have experienced one of these horror stories, then now you have a space to tell it and for it to be actually investigated and for somebody to at least pretend to give a damn. While that's going on, we're back in New York, right? We're learning all about this. We, we flash back to our Vanity Fair journalist, Alex French, again. And he's talking about how much of a challenge it is to interview people from Hillsong for Hillsong. Because they do, in fact, make most of their congregants sign NDAs. So if you talk shit about them, you get sued. And you know you ain't making no money to get sued for because you're over there at the church volunteering for free. Right? So this journalist had to ask a lot of other journalists how they would approach the situation or how they may have tried to in the past. I guess maybe to see how they failed so he could see how he could succeed. Because it wasn't going to be a typical situation where you ring somebody up on the phone, you get an interview, whatever. They actually were not able to because everybody had signed an NDA because Hillsong is the queen of the cover-up. And so, back in Australia, David Schubert just got his investigation going on the Royal Commission, baby. We're going to find out some tea. And... It's what you think, but it's not exactly what you think. Because, you know, a lot of people want to talk about the drag queens and the LGBTQ and how we're, you know, infecting the children and, and harming the children. Meanwhile, Brian Houston's being interrogated. And he's being asked if he personally knew any of the allegations brought on about his church and he says he's totally oblivious. No big surprise there. He had no idea. <laughs> it's like, boy. Tell him, boy, bah. Boy, bah. Boy, bah. Like, I literally wanted, like. <laughs> oh, no. No, you want to see So let me get a little bit more of a background about this whole situation. Brian Houston. And. I, up until this moment, was like, oh, he's from Australia. No, no, no. Brian Houston is from New Zealand. Okay? Moved to Sydney to help his dad with the church because his dad was an evangelical preacher. A fire-baptized, Holy Ghost-filled, and sanctified preacher. Under the, the notion that he had done the good work in New Zealand and that it was now time for him to do the good work over to Sydney. And his dad was having trouble. The way that his dad became a preacher, let's even just talk about that, okay? His dad was just like a normal guy, okay? Which, why is it so hard for people to just be normal? <laughs> I'll tell you why. His dad was having a really hard time finding employment. He had had built this family. And I think this is a lot of, of the influence of like that older generation of like, you know, your only purpose in life is to grow up, get married and have kids. And then you do that and you realize, oh, I have to take care of these fucking kids. I got to provide for these damn kids. 
And yeah, that's why it's so hard to be normal because you can't do that on a normal salary. Having 15, 1100 kids, shiny, happy people, which I'm going to get. It's giving that vibe. And Brian Houston's father actually stumbled upon a Pentecostal preacher at a revival. And he thought, oh, this dude might be onto something. So Frank Houston is Brian's dad. He became a Pentecostal preacher, and he was described even more so than Brian Houston as militaristic, a militaristic, oppressive leader. He humiliated his congregations because shame is a, is a very useful weapon. If you can make people, if you can use shame to control people, shout. So he amassed, you know, hundreds of people under his following, and he was very, very rigid and strict. And Brian wanted to surpass that. So it's no question that there was a fire up under his ass to, and of course we got we then get Hillsong, because his whole goal was to outdo his dad, to do better than his dad, to be more engaging, to, to reach out and to touch the masses more, to surpass his father. And Brian does just that. He starts his own church. Hills Christian Life Center, right? Where we met Jeff Bullock. And Jeff Bullock was actually the, the one who said, you know, Hills Christian Life Center is just a long, it's a long name. And when I think about the choir, I don't really want to call it Hills Christian Life Center Choir. Why don't we call it Hills Song? Because it's shorter. It's a nice abbreviation. Chow, little did he know he was, he was planting the seeds of doom. And they describe and they, they show Brian in those early days. And he's very goofy. He's like, Chow, one of these people said that he was like Ned Flanders. Now, please stop. <laughs> Not Ned. <laughs> Not Ned Flanders. I believe it. I saw it. He looked a little, you know, disco dolly, as they might say down in Australia. And like we've heard in so many stories like this before, Brian Houston just wanted to impress his dad, surpass his dad, take over for his father. But he didn't want to do it like his father. And this is when my little antenna started to go up. I'm like, well, what's the distinction? Because it would seem like you would want to carry this legacy. You know, what about your father's method was so bad if you're the one who's Ned Flanders? Okay, and your dad is the one who's getting hundreds and hundreds of followers. Like, mm, you know? So Brian goes on a, what the, the Brits would say is a holiday. He goes on a trip. He comes to America. And he has his first encounter with the prosperity gospel. Now, y'all, I was raised up in a church with, that was preaching the prosperity gospel. And all, everybody in the congregation was broke. Sowing seeds giving up tithes and offerings, feeling like you're going to burn in the gates of hell and God doesn't love you and appreciate you if you don't bring money up into these people's church every week. When the church is supposed to be using that money to help the community and help the people who are in its, its parishioners. And it just seems that that part of it just gets left out. Well, you know, we do got to pay these people. So this is where Brian got this method of his message. And how he was going to radicalize his 
congregation. And obviously that resonated when he decided to come back to America when he had Carl Lentz on his team. Okay. So this whole shit is very triggering for me. And the prosperity gospel goes hand in hand with Brian Houston because we learn that he's obsessed with money. He's obsessed. And he tries to do this thing where he doesn't really dress that flashy or he doesn't really do that, but he, he secretly is obsessed with it. He's the prosperity preacher. The more you give, the more you'll be blessed. Your health, God's grace, all of that's supposed to be tied into how much money you give. So then, Brian Houston does a Madonna-style makeover. Material, a material. Gets his teeth bleached. Cuts that awful hair. Starts doing push-ups on stage during his ministry. He's wearing so much Versace that Jeff Bullock is a patron. Says that he's the patron saint. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lord have mercy. My notes are so crazy. So let me get the joke right. <laughs> Brian Houston is wearing so much Versace that Jeff Bullock says the patron saint of Hill song is Gianni Versace. Yeah, it's like when you're when you're your like old auntie tells a joke and it's like really not funny and then she's like, wait, I didn't say it right and says it again and it's still not. Yeah. We can acknowledge that, sis. So we now start to see this comparison, right, between Brian Houston and Carl Lentz. Carl Lentz had this natural charisma, this natural uniqueness, this natural nerve and talent, and Brian Houston had to do everything in his power to change who he actually was to fit into that sort of mold. But Carl had it all naturally, and therein lies the problem. Yes? Because, and this is one thing that you guys out here in the streets, that y'all really have to realize. Y'all will hate on a bitch who can spend an hour of prep time where you have to spend a week of prep time because they didn't have to do as much as you. We're, it's just not the same. Look, I'm a fine-ass bitch, but do you think I can just turn out of bed like Jasmine Tukes? No, I have to try a little bit harder. The face is cute, but it's just, I gotta try a little bit harder. We're not all created equally, and this is where the problem really lies because Brian Houston is really making a concerted effort. He has changed his life to be this person, and here walks in Carl Lentz, right? So we meet Joe Hilda, a former congregant at the Sydney Hillsong Church, and just describing how strict it was to be a part of the youth group there and all of the rules that had some fucked up implications behind it. And this lady is clearly in a lot of pain, but I just can't get past the fact that she's a white lady with locks. I'm just like, Ugh, girl, it, it's cumber. It's, it's, you're, you're bothered. It's okay. We'll move past it because you are in, you are in, in terror. You've been terrorized. So before I can judge her for her hair, she starts to get into her personal story and it's absolutely devastating. Obviously Hillsong has a strict abstinence policy, right? You can't be fucking unless you're, you're married. So, of course, if she's in the youth group, she's not supposed to be fucking. 
Now, I thought when I was in, when I was that age of the youth group, it was like high school. No, no, she was 18. She was, she was a youth, but she was a grown-ass woman. And it was not um, her vibe to practice abstinence. So she had a partner. He's 19. She's 18. They find out that they're pregnant. Now, this is not a situation where she was like, oh, yeah, I'm pregnant. I don't know who the daddy is. Like, she's, like, been with this guy. They are totally in love. They find out they're pregnant. They go to the church because they think, well, at least we're doing this together. We're still a part of the church. Like, they'll have our back. Now, what the hell does the church do? The pastor came up to them and said, the next step for y'all to do is to stand in front of your peers and apologize for what you've done. This lady, this just this blonde locked lady, she is clearly very still very clearly upset by that. And the embarrassment and the horror. Because whether or not you were ready to tell, who knew how far along she was? Like So now you gotta get in front of everybody, not only tell them that you're pregnant, let them all know that you've been fucking without being married, and now you have to tell, apologize to them. And you know people been getting fucking assaulted and fucking sh- and y'all want to cover that up, but I have to stand in front of the congregation and tell y'all about, oh, okay, that's very interesting. So we then find out who the preacher was. Now, this is a key and a half. It's Laura Lentz's dad. Kevin? Kevin Britt? I love the Australian accent. Yeah, he was the pastor at the time. And he, they, te- they have to, they tell him that this happened, and you can see that acknowledgement on his face of, well, I'm not surprised, but I don't even remember doing that. He said, he must confess, when he was out there preaching for Hillsong, he didn't see that these were individual human beings. He was preaching to crowds. He was using these people as an example for the crowd so that they could bring more people into Hillsong. Because y'all all know, listen, gather up with somebody and talk shit about somebody that you don't like, you'll get a lot of friends. Right? So if you're in that congregation and you're looking, oh, look at these unholy people. Well, I must really be better. My kids must really be better off because at least my daughter isn't pregnant. Some bullshit. I would love to cuss. I would love to cuss some of these motherfucking people out, including Brian Houston, including Brian Houston's motherfucking father. Sins of the father. Let's let's tap into that. So there's an obvious influence from Frank Houston's style of preaching over to Brian's, which Brian then made go over to the other leading pastors throughout Hillsong. Re this story about this woman and this man who had to tell they the people apologize to the congregation for getting pregnant. And I love how the documentary really leans into the parallels between the two. And kind of how, like, Brian Houston himself is mean and fucking scary. And crazy looking. That's really the part about me. If you was going to bleach your teeth, you could have at least got some veneers and changes, got some new teeth with those scary-ass teeth. Because you look like a, somebody who drinks people's blood. You look like a damn vampire. Yeah, I said it. It's not allegedly. That's what I think you look like. It's just there's so many parallels in the cover-up, the cover-up, and we find out here's why. So Frank Houston, Brian Houston's dad, he was always surrounded by, like, younger men. 
And they always would say that Frank got a call from the Lord that he had to go to Sydney, Australia and expand the church. But the rumor behind the scenes is that there was talk of his relationships with these younger men in New Zealand. And that's why his ass had to flee. He had to run away to Sydney. And Brian Houston had to take over for that reason. Now, of course, he wasn't going to say that. So, the Royal Commission is happening over in Australia with David Shebridge. And now it's about, it's intensely, it's like focused. It's about child sex abuse in Australia. The protected religious institutions that protect it, cover it up. And a lot of this has been directed towards the Catholic Church that we've seen, especially in our culture here in America, where they're like, that's who they're going to expose with the child abuse is a priest. They're going to do that. Absolutely. They're going to expose a Southern Baptist prosperity preacher about not paying no bills. They're going to do that. But here is where we have this new thing, because this is new age Christianity, right? This is approachable, palatable, you know, everyone can come, Christianity. Or so they say. But we have to be able to hold everyone accountable. And that's David Shoebridge's whole purpose behind his Royal Commission. And here at the Royal Commission, because of this, several survivors and victor, victims of Hillsong Church, amongst others, do come forward. And we're lucky enough that we get some of the audio and the footage from the investigation. We meet a victim who is at this point anonymous called AHA. and He details his experience with Frank. Frank was legitimately a predator, y'all. And everybody around him knew it. A predator. So as a Pentecostal preacher, he would travel around, right, preaching the gospel. He would stay with lovely family. And they would house him and, and glean his, his holiness. And that's where he would find his victims. Because at night... When the parents and the kids would go to sleep, he would stumble into the kids' rooms and sexually assault him. They have to recall their experiences, each of them, each of these people. One of the people who comes forward describes Frank as the black shadow. He didn't even know what was going on. It was just this force, this, this darkness that would come into his room at night. And at first, the black shadow was faceless and nameless. But because of the royal commission and the details that followed and the timeline and where he was, he realized, oh, that was Frank Houston. Frank Houston stayed at my house with my parents. One of the victims tells their mother about the abuse when he's 16 years old. And the mother tells him that he really doesn't want to be responsible for sending these kind of people in the church to hell. Now, let me ask you something. Do you think if this motherfucker is going to hell 
you telling people is going to keep his ass from not no you're going to hell regardless this is the despicable part of it because y'all want to be all up in arms about the fags and the punks and the this but a preacher will come into your motherfucking house and lay hands on your child and you will tell your child to keep their mouth quiet because they don't want to be responsible for somebody else's fate no motherfucker you are responsible for your own damn fate you should have kept your hands to your damn self or go put your hands on somebody who wants your hands to be put on them. They don't fucking want you touching them. So what would happen is that if anyone ever came forward about abuse from Frank Houston, which happened, they would be ostracized from the community, they would be kicked out of the church, and we know how these kind of churches operate. When you are part of a church like this, you don't know anybody else. You don't have any other connection. There is no world outside there available to you. You become so indoctrinated and so tangled up in the church because you don't want to be associated with anything ungodly because your soul's eternity relies on that day-to-day -day purity. But only the congregants, not the pastors, just the congregants. One person came forward in front of a group of leaders and another pastor punched him in the damn face. And said, don't ever speak about our pastor that way. So clearly nobody went to the police. They also had to sign NDAs. So like, what the fuck? Not in Frank Houston's church. They weren't doing that yet. Brian Houston made that an effect because he knew. He knew what to do. He knew how to cover shit up at that point. Despicable. Absolutely despicable. So, David Fisher who is an Australian journalist, is researching Frank Houston, and he starts with Salvation Army because that's where Frank started his first church through the Salvation Army. And the Salvation Army actually came back and said, uh, hell yeah, Frank's been doing some sneaky shit since 1945. And we can confirm it between 1945 and 1948. Because he allegedly commits abuse at one of the Salvation Army boys' homes. And the Salvation Army, unlike the church, was like, uh, you gotta go. Now, did they press charges? Mm-hmm. It's, 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 it's even that. It's like, damn, can anybody just call the police? Because y'all will really call the police about anything else. I know it's probably some Karens on here like, well, you know, that no, 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 no. Y'all want to call the police about any and everything. Call the police. The fuck? Whatever happened on the Salvation Army is never addressed legally. Let's just say that. And that's fucking Frank's luck. Because no one ever goes through with anything. No one ever says, oh, wow. There's a monster on the damn loose. I, listen, let me tell you something. I don't even have kids yet. Let me tell you something. If I found out even a motherfucking whiff of an inkling of a suspicion of an iota of a motherfucking thought of somebody even looking at my baby the incorrect way, I'm busting your motherfucking head in, bitch. Period. Dot. There's, I don't give a fuck how holy you are. I don't, listen, y'all know how much I love Beyonce? I'm over here in my house fucking shit up now. I'm, I'm getting heated. I love Beyonce. If I find out Beyonce did some shit to my motherfucking kid, it's your motherfucking ass. Nobody is spared. I don't care who you are. Michael Jackson, Pee Wee Herman, 
all of y'all, I would have had to fuck y'all up. In 1960, allegedly, there's more abuse. Small boy named David from the South Island of New Zealand. Like, what? So for between 1945 and 1960, who knows how many undocumented victims, how many people who we can't even reach out to, who at this point in time might be dead, can't seek it for themselves. You never know. But because nobody said anything, no one brought it up because it's a, it's a holy man. We can't do that to him. I would like to, I would like to find Frank Houston and whoop his ass right now. Right now. So we learn all of this stuff because of the Royal Commission. So they investigate Brian Houston as well because it's like, hold up. Hold up. Hold up. You were a full-grown adult at one of these at, at a certain point during this, and a, a high-ranking member of the leadership of these churches. So we're gonna need to ask you a few questions. So Brian is forced to tell the Royal Commission about a meeting that he had had in the Qantas Lounge at the Sydney Airport with basically, you know, the people who were in charge of the church before it became Hillsong. Who were in charge while Frank Houston was still, like, the big dig? Brian Houston was the chair of the meeting. And we find out that Frank had told, okay, Frank had told People at the church, higher ups, that he had victimized one person. Now, a lot of this is like, well, there's so many people. This motherfucker told the church. Frank Houston told the church that he had victimized someone. One person should be enough. But apparently, because Brian Houston had somewhere he had to motherfucking be, all he had time for was a simple meeting at the Qantas Airport Lounge where he considered it to be a moral transgression and not a criminal offense. Now, he says this this way intentionally, folks, because when you say that your father told you that he victimized somebody, that does not mean that your father told you that he sexually assaulted somebody, that he arbored somebody, that that somebody was a child. That's why he's vague. He's being vague as hell. So they decide not to go to the police. That's where Brian, what Brian is saying, even though they know police all over the city. So it's like, anyway. It's trash. Nothing happens to Frank. Then, by way of the commission, Anonymous victim AHA tells the world that Frank has reached out to him, asked him for forgiveness, and offered him $10,000. And Frank was really obsessed with the forgiveness part. Okay? He's obsessed with, let me off the hook. Don't make me be accountable for this. 
and it's just, it's horrible. So, Brian actually arranges this whole transfer, which is, this is where, this is where Brian Houston, now this is where Brian Houston is getting tangled up, and why Brian Houston is in Australia at this present day in a trial, because this is where it gets fucked up. Brian arranges for a payment, a payout, a payoff to this victim. After which, tells this victim that it's his fault because he tempted his father. What the hell? Shortly thereafter, they say, okay, Frank is not going to be a preacher. We stripped him of his rights. He doesn't get to speak. We really took it seriously. He was not allowed to engage with the parishioners, blah, blah, blah. They found video evidence weeks after they paid this victim off, Frank Houston is brought out at a Hillsong rally. He's described as a great man of faith, an apostle of faith. Everyone claps. Meanwhile, most of them are sitting, who are sitting there know this is an admitted pedophile. Admit it. Anybody of you didn't know it was little kids, this is an admitted sexual abuser. He came to y'all and said that he, child, but the drag queens, but the drag queens. So eventually Frank is diagnosed with dementia which I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy, but I guess, you know, he's somebody's worst enemy. He's also, so this, at first I was like, oh, Frank, well, I guess we got what we deserve, but then we realized maybe he didn't get what he deserved. Maybe we don't, that's not for us to decide, okay? Because the doctor who diagnosed him with dementia also worked at Hillsong for 23 years. So dementia basically means that Frank doesn't have to answer for his past crimes. How could he, as someone who has dementia? If you've ever known a family member or anyone who has it, it's brutal. It is awful. It's terrible. That's some fucked up shit. So, in 2002, Brian Houston actually has to address his father's pedophilia allegations. And he describes it as jets flying into the twin towers of his soul. Which, like, Shut the fuck up. Literally. Like, I really hate pulling this card, but like, as an Americano who was alive, like, shut the fuck up. You knew your dad was a motherfucker. Do not try to compare this to the goddamn twin. What the fuck? And he basically says that the reason why he's going to ignore it all is because it seems that the power of Christ can compel his father. And it seems like what Jesus would want him to do is forgive his father and put him on the right track. Even though he knows. I, I'm saying it. I believe he knew his dad was doing some motherfucked up shit. His motherfucking ass knew what was up. But Brian wants his own church. He wants to thrive. He would want nothing more for his dad and his dad's legacy and all of that have to be completely swept under the rug and all of those people who his father amassed, all of those people who have been brought over to the new Hillsong are now going to be faithful and dutiful to him. So, Frank dies in 2004. No criminal charges brought against him ever. Ever. And Brian Houston doesn't think that he has to tell the police any of this shit that happened with his father, that he knew any of it. Even though he sought legal counsel, 
because they found that information about the matter. What a joke. So he's in front of the Royal Commission. And he says that he basically didn't think he had to tell anyone or tell the police, the authorities, because he just didn't happen to remember. What? And the way he's talking to these people, like, well, they're like, well, why didn't you? He's like, well, I, I don't remember why I didn't say anything. Like, I don't recall. And he's so snippy and he's so aggressive and rude. And I'm like, oh, there's something about a white dude screaming in court when he is up for trial that makes me want to rage. Screaming at people in authority like that. Boy, they would throw somebody else up underneath the jail. You need to get slapped in the face, Brian Houston. And luckily, luckily that the Australian Royal Commission isn't like the South Carolina fucking Supreme Court, because they obviously are like, you're lying. This is bullshit. Hillsong has been covering fucking shit up. And now we need to figure out something about this. Something has to happen. The prime minister is apologizing to the fucking people. It's a big deal. And, you know, they're, 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 what they do is they, they go back and they're like, why hasn't this come out in a formal thing? Because apparently, Brian Houston, there were no formal charges brought against his dad, but Brian Houston did reach out to the police commissioner of New South Wales, which is where they lived. And this is how he's saying, like, well, I didn't think it had to be really a matter. I did get, I got, you know, he got legal counsel, he got whatever, whatever. Didn't think I need to tell the police. But I did reach out to the police commissioner, who was a Hillsong parishioner for 23 years. Of course, nothing fucking happened. So we finally learn after the death of Frank and nothing, no charges, no nothing. We learn who the anonymous victim is because he realizes, you know what? I got to show my face. I got to get out there. I got to really be a part of this. And his name is Brian Sengstra. And He's just so brave and, and brave in the way of like going through it again and really trying to put a face to a name so that you can really see that like you really have hurt a person. I've got a wife, the way that he's dealt with intimacy, the way that he deals with, he said that he didn't want to fucking like hug his children because he didn't want them to have any kind of weird, like, you know what I mean? That's fucked up. And Frank Houston did that to this, these people. So me, I'm thinking like, okay, well, they've got to get, Brian, Brian's got to be able to be in trouble for something, covering shit up, doing something, and this is where they get him, because he knew about the hush payments, he knew about the sexual abuse, he did nothing about it, and now he's implicated. So when the Hillsong Police Commissioner, LOL, left in 2019, now the New South Wales Police Department can actually start to investigate Brian Houston. This is when the the fucking rubber meets the road right they obviously charge him with the concealment of sexual assault like boom they're like okay yeah you've been lying and you've been blatantly trying to fucking get him with the audacity the gumption the gall that you have to think that you can just do whatever the fucking hell you want to do 
and you're going to get away with it. Like, and also that you're going to use the name of God in it. These people ought to be a damn shamed. They need to have a class action suit. If you've been a member of Hillsong for the years of 2017, you might be able to work, right? Give these people some, some damn reciprocity because this, what is this, honey? This is really crazy. Like this part, this third part is when I was like, oh, not what I was expecting. Wasn't expecting the whole entity of Hillsong itself to be a cover-up for Brian Houston's dad's pedophilia and motherfucking bullshit. Mm-mm-mm. So that's how the episode ends. We find out that Brian Houston is being charged for the concealment of sexual abuse and that there's going to be a royal commission about that. I wonder what happens next, you guys. I'm so glad that you came over for part three. I'm so glad that you guys have been enjoying this documentary vibe. We're going to do shiny, happy people next. It's going to be a fucking key. And if you want to, like, see anything else in this genre, hit me up. Let me know. You guys have been super sweet. Go ahead and follow if you don't already. Give me a five-star rating and review. And as always, it's been a pleasure to be with all of you. And I'll see you next time.